0: Welcome to When Pigs Fly. We're a podcast that's uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history dating back from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply post to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Allie Martin.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Patrick Bailey.
0: And today we'll be talking with Erin Roddy. She is the founder of Me. Now, Me, however, this this company name is spelled M E. A S And me is a woman's athletic fashion brand that focuses specifically more on female runners. But Patrick, what I'm excited the most to talk to Erin about is her passion for fashion function in philanthropy.
1: Yes, I mean, I totally noticed on the website that there is an ethical and sustainability focus. I'm excited to dive into that further. What does mm-hmm. that mean in mm-hmm. the lens of and in the world of fashion? Yeah, uh, it's and changing. what does that mean, you know, across the supply chain and uh, the marketing and getting the message out there? So mm-hmm. I'm excited to learn more from her. You brought this up before we hopped on. There are a ton of fashion companies out there Uh, more and more popping up here in Cincinnati and it's clear that Erin's trying to differentiate herself with this sustainable and ethical focus so I'm excited to you know see and learn more from
0: her love that well on that note let's bring her in Aaron, we are so excited to have you on the podcast. Selfishly, I'm very excited to have you on because I love fitness as well as running. And Patrick's like, yes, running. I only (laughs) am running away from running. Love running. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good to be here. Yes. And as background, you know, we had talked in the intro that you design and run and are the founder of Me Active, which is a women's running fitness activewear brand. But before we get into the brand of me and everything that you've accomplished so far and the future of me, let's backtrack a little bit and get more of that backstory as to how you got into fashion, how you decided to get into fitness, because this is bigger than just clothing. It's a lifestyle brand. Yes. Yes.
2: So um, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to meet you guys. So excited to be here. This is awesome. Yeah. So I mean, you know, without going too far back, um, I have been a runner my entire life. It's just something that, you know, I started doing as as a young girl. I happen to be good at it. You know, like anything else, you're good at it. You just keep wanting to do it. But also probably about junior high, high school, I've always been a creative person. And I found that like, I fell in love and i probably because of my grandmother, I fell in love with the sewing machine. Mm. <laughs> so I started for the fashion part, I started making all of my homecoming and prom dresses, oh, wow. which were probably okay. really ridiculous at the <laughs> time. But you know, it was something that I really got into. With that being said, I, as a runner, I kind of found it as an outlet, especially going through like my late teens and early twenties as an outlet to help me with some mental health challenges that I had, um, some depression, some anxiety, uh, that I experienced and about, about, about the time I was graduating high school, it kind of hit me pretty hard. I had a lot of friends that had like gone off to college and they went to go experience life. And I kind of was like, what do I do with my life? With my life.
1: Crisis right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Early life crisis. And unlike nowadays, anxiety and depression was not talked about, right? Like it was totally, totally a different world. So, I, you know, I'd just been experiencing it. I think I think pressure created a lot of anxiety. And I think I probably just like, you know succumb to pressure and I didn't know what to do so I trained for my first marathon 2002 I was 19 oh, years old and of course it was the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon yeah
0: I was gonna ask you that question so I'm so glad you addressed it yourself
2: it, <laughs> it absolutely it was the flying and it was, honestly to this day now I've run like seven or eight marathons that is the hardest oh. marathon but through that, through that experience, I, what that really did for me was it allowed me to sh- like feel a little bit of value in who I am. It allowed me to set a goal and say to myself, well, you know, shoot, I can run twenty six point two miles. I can do anything. Yeah. So fast forward a little bit. I mean, it took it still took me some time to find myself. I was still, you know, I like I said, I still loved fashion. What were you doing work wise too? So at the time, I was working. At that time, I was probably working in a restaurant i was also okay. working as a makeup artist at mac cosmetics
0: okay so you weren't you weren't necessarily crazy like you weren't working trying to like designing for like h&m or anything like that no 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 at the time i was still like just finding myself what
2: what i did though after that first marathon in O2, i said you know what i want to do more i want to do fashion so i went to a school in chicago actually the following fall for fashion design I got there. I loved it. I was still working as a makeup artist at MAC Cosmetics on um, Michigan Avenue. Got a little bit wrapped up in that, and I dropped out of school. <laughs> oh
0: snap! Wow. Oh wow! It's,
2: Interesting. Yeah, I was like, well, you know, I'm making a little money. I'm in Chicago, and honestly, the makeup artist uh, artistry industry in Chicago was, you know, was progressing. Um, yeah, you could make good money. You could work on shoots. Like it was, it was really cool. And to be a 19, 20 year old in Chicago you know, offer, like I, I, were, I did an R. Kelly video, like, oh, whoa, which I guess isn't really cool to say. We all just Actually, had that moment of like, wait a second. The, <laughs> like, wait, uh, at the time he was cool. But the opportunities like that got, you know, came my way and, and I took them. And so I kind of went down that path. But eventually mm-hmm. Chicago became a little bit too expensive. I headed mm-hmm. back to Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. and I still craved fashion, and once I got back to Cincinnati, I was still in makeup artistry, bartended, served, did all the things to, you know, make ends meet. The great part is I decided to go back to school, and I went to UC, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to go back and get my degree in something. No, I failed out again. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I went for two quarters, and I just decided one day I didn't want to go. Not the proudest moment of my life. But fast forward two years later, and I said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and keep wondering, what if, what if I had gone to DAP? What if I had, you know, done the path to, to fashion design? What if? And I was at this point doing a really good job at managing my anxiety and depression. So I did, I went back and I will say what I did was I climbed and clawed my way into DAP. It's a very hard program to get into coming out of high school, much less being what they called me often I heard. I was a non-traditional student and maybe I should probably think about another direction. (laughs) But Mm. I refused, you know, somebody said that to me and I was like, no, this is is where I need to be. This is what I want to do. They said that to you? Yes. Yeah. And so then I, then I was like, you know what, I'm going to double major in business. And then somebody was like, you can't do that. You can't do that when you're in DAP. And I was like, watch me. (laughs) <laughs> so I did that too and I mean if you're familiar with DAP it's an incredible program. Um yeah. mm. there's a reason why I
0: wanted it so bad. 5-year program, co-ops, mm-hmm. uh have personally have my brother went through the industrial design program. So oh. uh, yeah, understand that. It's hard stuff. It's very it difficult. Is. A lot of late nights. So you did. So you, oh, so yeah. fast forward you you got through the DAP program. Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm <laughs> and you walked away with a business degree as well. I marketing yeah marketing so okay so that's that's kind of a big deal and then you were saying that you were in New York so how did you end up out in New York because New York right is one of the fashion capitals of the world absolutely well I could have swore because I was approaching 30 and all of my friends
2: were getting married and maybe even having kids and I thought (sighs) now I'm just gonna graduate and go (laughs) right (laughs) I bet (laughs) all those pressures right Allie yep yep they they start to pile up Yeah. You're like, what am I going to do? Oh, they're, ha- you know, they're doing, the, they're doing the correct thing. Their past yeah, I'm just was
1: going to shut up and listen. For this yes. part. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love so, it. okay. So you were 30, I, you were figuring it out.
2: And I got a job offer and from American Eagle Outfitters in New York. Oh. And I was like, you know what? Looks like this is what we're doing. So I packed my bags like four weeks later and I headed off to New York with like That's three bags.
0: Amazing. You have to because you're living in a pizza box. So you can't even pack (laughs) more than three bags. (laughs) You are living in a pizza box.
2: Yeah, we we actually, uh, my good friend and I, we had a three-bedroom. But when you say three-bedroom in New York, you're not thinking three-bedroom, 1,500 square feet. It was three-bedroom, 700 square feet. But we would rent out, I love telling this. We would rent out our third bedroom. We we bought IKEA bunk beds oh, <laughs> and we
0: rented them out to DAP students. My God. That's awesome. <laughs> that's they smart. paid our bills. That's smart. They paid our bills. See, a entrepreneur, <laughs> passive yeah. income. Look at you. Okay. So that's like just trying to get by. So, yeah, I was there for almost 10 years. So, almost 10 years. And then the pandemic hits. I'm sure that was probably as big reason as to why you came back. So, did you spend the whole time working at American Eagle? What was that switch to come back and say I'm ready to launch this this brand?
2: I was at American Eagle
0: <laughs>
2: and after four, 14 months uh cuz 2013 was a hard time for the fashion retail industry. After 14 months I got laid off. <laughs> oh, no. I I laugh at it now because at the time you're devastated you're like oh my gosh my first job I ran to New York and here I am getting laid off anyway so so I I left there and I went to Kohl's and I worked for Juicy Couture at Kohl's and then I stayed there for a little while and eventually I made my way after I left Kohl's so this you know kind of goes back to knowing a little bit about your, your value. I started to feel like not, not very valued in in the role I was in. So I, uh, you know, I decided to like exit the role. I didn't have a job lined up. I just was like, you know what, this isn't, you know, this isn't where I want to be. I'm not being, it was, I wasn't getting the recognition, And I I felt very unfulfilled, if you will, long, long, long hours begging for promotions and, and doing roles that were way above my pay grade, you know, so I left and I decided at that point in my life, my, at the time, uh, boyfriend slash fiance, I think had moved from Chicago and we had talked about probably not staying in New York forever because it is a very expensive city. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought, you know, instead of going to find a full-time role, I'll go into contracting, which also allows you to, or freelance contracting. It allows you a little bit more freedom to like, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't feel so like handcuffed to the job. So if I wanted to leave at seven or eight, I could leave at seven or eight and not feel mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> so I did that and I actually went back to American Eagle.
0: <laughs> oh, snap. Okay, wow. so you Now was I that where, was that your last big brand that you worked on before launching me? No, so I ended up going to Express after that. Wow, you actually have a but but that's great
2: experience though. Oh, I mean, it's an incredible experience professionally, creatively, the people that I got to surround myself with, you know, and just to see how uh, apparel brands are run on a mass scale, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: What was the biggest takeaway from, you know, all your different experiences? They seem to be, you know, all over the place going towards the same goal and trajectory. You know, so what is that like? How would you summarize like what you've learned?
2: Yeah, I would say one of the big reasons why I started the brand and where I am today. Ultimately, my big takeaway is that it it is a cliche, but it's not a very nice industry. It is very Mm. much a dog-eat-dog world. And then also I think something that isn't talked about enough is that as a woman in the, especially, you know, fashion design industry, but you know, women are a huge piece of the market. I want to say we're like 80, 80% of the market or 60 to 80%. -hmm. So we're a big piece. And, and a lot of times I was definitely presenting to an executive board of older men. Mm. So my takeaway there was that I kind of felt like the pyramid was top heavy with men and I just, yeah, I didn't think that we were being, you know, elevated enough. And I, mm. I still, you know, think that we, you know, obviously women, there's a discrepancy there, but in the professional and professional world. And I was like, you know what? I want to provide people with good product and, and I don't think it needs to be by this mm. big mass corporate giant run by a man yeah. with throwaway clothing.
1: So is that why you decided to stay in fashion and continue to build me?
2: That was part of it. So I went on a trip to Cambodia and Thailand with an organization called Destiny Rescue that had saved girls who'd been sex trafficked. Mm. And this was during my time that I was contracting. So I took two weeks with this organization. We went to three cities in Cambodia, three cities in Thailand. And I got to work directly with these ladies who had been sex trafficked. I learned of this ancient proverb while I was there. And it said, men are like gold. They can be shined off like new. Women are like white linen. When they're dirty, they can't be. Wow. So of course I learned so much while I was there, so much about their culture. But what I did also learn was that I'm sitting on the floor with these four women and girls who have gone through hell and back. I mean, let's face mm-hmm. it, what they had been yeah. what they had experienced in their lifetime was something that nobody should ever experience. And they were like giggling. We were playing shoots and ladders, and I felt like mm-hmm. I was hanging out with like a, mm-hmm. not, my nine-year-old niece. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, how can they be? I didn't know what they were saying. They were, you know, bantering Uh with each other. And I just thought to myself, here I am not feeling fulfilled in my industry, living a dream. You know, I'm in the fashion design industry. I always wanted to be a part of this in New York City. And I felt very much like I can do, I can do more. I can do more through things that I love and I can continue to do fashion but I mm-hmm. think it can look very, very different than what I'm doing. So I came back home and I was like, how do I do it? I, I how do mm-hmm. I do it? And health and wellness is a passion. Running is a passion. And I I thought, let's let's combine it all. Let's do it all.
0: This, this is a great. This is a gosh, this is the perfect segue. And so let's now move more into that entrepreneurial side of things. So you came back, you had this experience, which now you also bring into your brand, which I think is also tremendous. Then what was that first step right? To even beginning me. It was
2: crazy. The first step for me. So being in the fashion design industry, I knew the process and I probably thought I knew more than I did <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> because no, I, interesting. y'all. Yeah. Like I, and I always joke, cause i have a good friend. And when you're in the fashion design industry, you work with like, obvi- like cross-functional teams. And so mm-hmm. I would design clothes and I would say, I love this fabric, or I love this color, or I need it to look like this. But I always had a partner that would be the one to talk to the factory for me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have your merchandiser, and that's, that's a production partner. And then you'd have your merchandiser who tells you how to buy things. So it's like kind of like a three-piece puzzle. Well, I had no idea about the other pieces you know enough but not not enough to do what I was trying to do Uh so I really just started to like google USA factories and I was sourcing fabrics and being in New York is a big help because it's got a huge garment garment district so I and I just started to sketch and I started to do the design process once I found some factories like I was interested in which were in LA when I started to basically make samples I would start wear testing my samples. And that pro- honestly, for me to start into the samples, I started thinking about all this in 2017. I would say fall of 2018 is when I received my first set of samples. So it was like a whole year of sourcing and marinating and thinking about what does this look
0: like? Yeah, because I think mm. people can be like, because it's a very, cre- you're in a very creative field, right? If you don't, so people say, well, how do I move into, into an entrepreneurial role that's creative. Well, the word like creative is all well and good, but it seemed like you specifically knew what you wanted to produce. So yes, you're creative to get there, but at the end of the day that end product is athletic running wear. Yeah. And yes.
2: You exa- that. And that's and I knew that. Yeah. And that I did. Yes. I, I skipped over that part. Yeah. That's exactly I knew I knew that like being a part of a woman's health and wellness journey was really important to me. Going back to you know being a runner myself and what i was saying about my own mental health running is such a huge piece of my mental health puzzle and yeah. and the other piece that i like to say and this is where the brand is at while i like to emphasize running cuz it's cuz it's my passion i am not always a runner i'm not always running 200 miles a month i mean sometimes i don't even get to run but then maybe i tran- transition to yoga this month or hit or mm-hmm. cycling or sometimes i just do it all and just there's yeah, a
1: little it, bit more my speed
0: <laughs> there we go i like it i like it we all we all got our passions. Amen to that. So I definitely want to a little bit later touch on that anxiety and that depression because I think that's really important, especially from coming from your position as an entrepreneur and a founder and leading this company. But before we do that, I I think I still just have some thoughts and some questions, especially around just the fashion industry, right? So you're talking Mm -hmm. about ethically sourcing material. You know, you had connections and whatnot in New York, but how does that also affect the bottom line of what you're doing, right? Because you're still a startup you're still very young how are you how are you able oh to gosh. create these designs get ethically sourced material but also make money at the end of the day oh my gosh well so that's the funny part
2: right we did a kickstarter <laughs> campaign <laughs> we raised which is I'm very proud to say in 2019 when I released the first collection we raised $30,000 to go into that's... production which is amazing
0: so when you did the Kickstarter campaign, how did people already know about you how did you market that Kickstarter campaign? What did that look like?
2: I didn't do it enough, and I did not do it the right way. And if anybody comes to me today, I will tell them it is it, it looks very different than what it's than what it sells. I, you know, maybe when Kickstarter just first started, it was a novelty and, and it might have been way more beneficial, but by the time I came in, it I had you I really had to bring my network. And that's what I did. Mm. I talked it up on my network. I talked it up on my Facebook page. I was sending out emails. It's, it was in March of 19. So in January, I started to attack my friends and family. Mm. And so I really was able to get enough people behind me and sharing the story and sharing the product that that's how I did it. But I did that. I mean, I like to think the Kickstarter, you know, I might've had a few customers just you know organically come from kickstarter but it really wasn't one of those like you know 10 people bought and now all of a sudden people from around the world are donating to or not donating, but pre-purchasing.
0: What would you do differently then? What advice do you have to give to someone if they're looking to go that route? Or would you not even go that route if you could? I would, you over? know what,
2: at that point I had all, I'm glad you asked that because I think a lot of people think they'll get on Kickstarter. They tell you the first 72 out 48 to 72 hours, if you can get like 50% mm-hmm. of your goal in that there will be this really big surge. And maybe I didn't do it right. But I think what you have to do is unfortunately do paid marketing at that point. Mm. And so ironically enough, I didn't get this at the time, but to hindsight it, I had people reaching out to me, like digital marketing firms reaching out to me leading up to the Kickstarter. And I was like, what is this? How do they get, you know? And I think that they see that you're about to launch. And so that's how a lot of people do go kind of viral or they grow. What I would tell somebody now is like, if you can, build a one-page website or a two-page website and do your pre-sale that way. Mm. You know, like, you know, there's no sense to do a Kickstarter. You could just do a pre-sale through a Shopify website and it can be just as successful <laughs>
0: Okay. So you, you did this Kickstarter and back to the revenue question, right? So you're ethically sourcing, which I imagine the material is going to cost more front. You know, where are you now? How do you feel about everything? How are you, are you, are you in a good spot? Are you making money right now?
2: Oh gosh, girl. I'm
0: years from that. (laughs) (laughs) We're still in the the early phases and that's okay. And also only feel obligated to tell us what you want to tell us too it is something
2: that you learn going through this process. And that's why they say being an entrepreneur, it's not for the faint of heart. And, and mm-hmm. you have to enjoy what you're doing and you have to really be dedicated. And nothing is, I, I mean, unless there's an industry that I don't know about,
0: I don't think it's going to come easy. <laughs> and there's so much learning involved. <laughs> there's so much. And, and, and Patrick and I were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier of you're you're in a tough industry because lifestyle, yeah. first of all, any sort of lifestyle brand, activewear, whatnot, as you said, it's very visually driven. It's very marketing driven. It's again, fashion trendy. Yep. So how are you, sep- how are you trying to separate yourself from some of those big competitors? Cause obviously, I mean, Lulu, lemon Nike, and even yeah. some of the, the, the brands that like target, right? Like is that a yeah. goal for you or how do you separate yeah. yourself?
2: You know, I'm taking it one day at a time on what my what the a- actual goals are. Um, I'm going to bounce back a smidge about yeah. the ethically and source uh, ethically and socially sourced stuff, and about like making money and and yeah. so on. I did not have the business sense going into it that I didn't have a, a financial strategy set up, so I had n- really no chance of making money where I was in the beginning. So mm. in the last two years, I have learned how to price things out. And then there are certain things that now, so kind of to combine the two, to separate myself, I like to say, I am a women-owned business. Mm -hmm. I'm a small business. Our messaging is to support women, encourage women. And then I I like to say that we're not just a product that's um, fashionable, which of course I love it. I want it to be fashionable. I want it to be attractive. I want a woman to put it on and be like, okay, now I want to go and run five miles. Now I want to hit that yoga class because I look Mm. good and I feel good. But also I want them to know that they're doing good. So when they purchase the product, we give a portion of our proceeds back to female empowering nonprofit organizations Mm. and it varies constantly. So that's just like the mission of my brand, how I want to stand out with that because I want that. And two other things that I'm really, really passionate about is how do I introduce sustainability? And then how do we continue to grow, but still make it ethically and socially sourced? Mm. Because to your point, doing it here in the US, the price point is so high because you still want to make it affordable for people to to get nice, functional, activewear. You don't want to price anybody out. I want to be all inclusive. So you do have to kind of cut corners. And I've learned that to do and to be on a mission to get to the greater good, I have had to cut some things out. So I am now making it in Asia. The socially and ethically certified or sorry, socially and ethically made part. You, there are now certifications that you can ask your factory for. And oh, so that's, that's great. a big piece of the puzzle that I can do there's a certification that's up to the European Union standards that kind of crosses over into the U.S. standards as well. So you know that it's not being made in a factory that's not approved by us.
1: So how did you find this factory? Because one thing, (laughs) having worked with startups myself, they want, they don't want a sweatshop either. And so, you know, they really are very concerned about that. How did you go about this process of finding the right one for you?
2: Oh, my gosh. It has been a long time. And now I have a few, I would say, in my back pocket. Being in the industry, I have some, obviously, friends who work with larger factories over in Asia. And so I I said to a couple of my friends, hey, can you connect me with some of the vendors that that I had worked with in the past and or ask them if they have a source or a contact that does small Cause they obviously yeah. weren't going to pay attention to me. They mm. were used to a hundred thousand units. I needed to purchase anywhere from 50 to 300, yeah. um, mm. 500 on a good day. So what I did was basically I got connected and then I just kept asking the question and, and people were, it was like breadcrumbs, you know, like I just followed this trail and just kept along. Yeah, it, It's it. And I just kept, and it was exhausting. I will say it was really exhausting. Did
1: you find a shortcut eventually? Besides no. the networking piece? No. Dang. No. There's
2: no, like, there's, I know, there's no, like, which maybe, maybe in my next business venture will be this, but there's no, <laughs> yeah. like, platform that houses, it's called BSCI certification, which is, like, uh, I always forget this, but it's, like, the business socially compliance.
0: Something, something, size, rather. Something, but yeah, it's it socially seems like compliant. that seems to be a big problem then in, in that industry of how do you then get connected directly to a a manufacturer that you want to partner with? Yeah. And
2: it's also, you know, it's funny because since it isn't, not everybody's doing it. So, you know, you're still going to pay a little bit more of a premium. And then that also is, that's where I'm at right now with sourcing
0: sustainable products. Mm. It's hard. (laughs) And what does that look like for sourcing sustainable products?
1: Especially because we're just now getting into environmentally conscious products.
0: People are now starting to push for it more. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's what has to happen. You have to have the large corporations push for it to see the the swing or the pendulum shift on the other side Mm -hmm. so that factories Mm -hmm. are saying, okay, we have to jump through these hoops to provide this so that we can have, you know, Athleta and Lululemon buy from us. So it's getting pushed that direction, but then you have small people like me where I'm like, oh gosh, you know, how do I, how do I do this? How do I navigate this? It really is, I'm going back to the breadcrumbs and I'm just asking the question. And actually, luckily enough, I have a factory that does have a mill, a fabric mill. And here's another challenge. I can't make my own fabrics. I don't have enough quantity. So I have to use what we call stock, which means they'll have like rolls of it. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, you, you're kind of like uh, getting creative with what's available. But so I did find one through the breadcrumb again. And and so I'll be receiving some swatches hopefully in the next month. And maybe by spring or summer, we'll have a couple pieces that are sustainable.
0: That's exciting. Because it seems like you're also in this phase where you're, you know, you're not just, you know, trying to manufacture a dozen of one piece and keeping it really, really small. You're manufacturing enough that you need to, again, source overseas. So with that said, when you're getting this product in, how are you getting it out into the market? Is it all through e-commerce? How are they find our, how, how are people finding you?
2: That's it. E-commerce, um, e-commerce. Yeah. So we're on the web, but then I'm doing a ton of pop-ups here locally. Oh, I, nice. I like Amanda and I have a, an awesome event this Sunday, they're doing a yoga class, and and when you purchase the ticket to the yoga class, we're doing some mimosas and treats afterwards. And then you also got a free item from Ali and I will be there. Yes, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I know, I know, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's so fun, but this is the cool part about what coming back to Cincinnati and doing this Mm. the network Mm. here is unreal. It's, oh, love to I would that. never <laughs> have had this in New York. I never, n- not for one, in New York, everybody's trying to do something, but people are just, you know, the Midwest is the best. We're kind people. and
0: Yeah. Elaborate, I guess, on that a little bit more from a business perspective too, because you kind of just touched on it. How are you feeling about Cincinnati? How are you feeling about your growth in Cincinnati? And I guess how, how could that potentially roll over into a bigger market like New York, or maybe you don't want to go that way. I don't know.
2: I think, you know, I think for me, when I was working for those large companies that I was telling you, mass production companies, let me think, every single one of them I just told you about had a corporate office in the Midwest somewhere. Ah. And the reason behind that is because maybe as designers, we would get a lot of our inspiration from the fast, or sorry, from the trends that were happening, you know, in New York, on the East Coast, yeah. Europe, you know, you get those those trends fast the from, from the rush. runway down. Yeah. But your market is the middle of... A, it's middle America. And yeah. so to me, you know, and this goes... So when I got back to Cincinnati, I was so excited there's so many okay like you here like you like health and wellness you know uh, there are so many influencers and so many other startups that like you know podcasters and I just keep saying why why are we all still like like running towards the east and the west coast like the midwest Thank has you. it and 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 everybody else honestly is trying to sell it to us so yeah. why aren't we going from the inside out so or, I a, or I'm it's very just a passionate we'll just
0: keep yeah, I don't, I don't know. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so to answer your question i think we've got i think i have i think the market is here like we are the market so i i think this is where i can grow and our message can you know touch more people honestly
1: do you think your message also resonates with midwesterners who let's say at least here you know in cincinnati we always joke around you know people live here their entire lives right do you think you know that social good and esg you know messaging that is you know very much alive and well on the coast do you think that still resonates well with midwesterners like your fellow cincinnatians
2: Yeah. <laughs> I will say one thing I find is, is that like, if you, if you tell somebody, you know, I don't, if I said I had a sustainable legging and a non-sustainable legging, Midwesterners don't always say, oh, I have to have it.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But I, if you provide that to them, they'll, they'll go for it. They'll absolutely Mm -hmm. go for it. And I, in the Midwest, we absolutely, like, we want to do good. We want to be a part of change. Mm -hmm. We want to, especially I also think, you know, the younger generation and and younger demographic. But, yeah, absolutely. I think they're just as excited about it. It's just a matter of, to your point, you said, you know, the sustainable thing is just now starting to get big. I've Mm. been watching it for the last six years. They just, it's, I feel Mm. like we're just not getting it because there aren't people giving it to us here in the Midwest. I know technology now has us, like, reaching out and, but I think that you give the Midwest a good option. I think they're, like I said, we're kind people.
0: Yeah. You. But you made up. You brought up such a great point, though. Of well, I think it's globally, it's a huge issue, and it's a, it's an American dri- driven, like consumerism issue. Because you had made like the big mm-hmm. brands. The big brands are yeah. the ones who are able to. Make yep. truly make that difference because they're the ones that are investing the most overseas and manufacturing the most overseas. So until they really start to put their foot down to say, "Hey, we want to see this change," well yep. then it also really trickle down to to the small the small entrepreneurs and medium sized entrepreneurs like yourself. So uh, yeah, you, you kind of. I mean, that. and
2: we're the ones that want to make the difference. I yeah. think probably more it's just, it's so much harder, right? Like you you can't, and the one thing I keep telling it's that's it. And that's the one thing I keep saying is like, I, you know, everything in life comes with a trade, all good things come with a little Mm. bit of a trade-off. And I see, I say to myself, you know, if I, if I have to sacrifice sustainable product right now, you know, I can make a bigger impact later because that's the only way I'll be a bigger company Yeah. is if I can grow, right? Grow
0: Now, how do you feel, switching gears a little bit, how do you feel about the fashion industry in general in Cincinnati and in the Midwest beyond just like the manufacturing part? Like aesthetic? Yeah, well, well, just those who are who who might want to invest more in the fashion industry because sometimes I feel like we do lack there. I I just go back to I had the opportunity to um, interview Asha Ama. I don't know if you've heard of her. Ah, I graduated with Asha. You did? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Great. Oh my gosh, Asha awesome. and I lived <laughs>
2: together during an
0: internship. Oh, you did!
1: This is so- yes, small world. Only on a oh Cincinnati podcast.
0: But it's a very similar. <laughs> this is so fun. This was not planned. She's folks. amazing. Um, she's she's amazing. amazing. Like really smart with it. Super talented. Uh, she was a part of the Taft Museum's uh, Duncanson Artist Residency this past year for 2021. Um, but similar story as you, where she was in New York and was like, "I, I really can't afford this. I'm not. I'm not super passionate about it. I want to find something of my own and create." something and build something of my own. So came back to Cincinnati. However, yeah. that's still a conversation of it's still fresh and it's still new. And I think there's still this energy, this creative energy that never goes away, but how do we make ourselves, which I guess is where the question that I'm coming to, how do we as Cincinnati become a better fashion city?
2: Oh no, that's a good question. You know, I think it's about the offerings People love to be fashionable in Cincinnati. People love to look good. Yeah. I mean, I mm. actually walk around that I am like, people look better in Cincinnati sometimes than they do, you know, in the East Coast. Because when you're in New I York, do. nobody cares. They have a pair of like, you know, raggedy jeans on, whatever. But like, yeah. I think I think it comes down to like offering like more fashionable mm. clothing. So, I mean, when I go shopping here, it is it's very hard. It's very mm. hard to, you know, I don't have a store, I guess I should say. Yeah, I, I, and then, but it's I,
0: like with e-commerce, right? So that's what it's like. Or is it just inevitable that people in Cincinnati are becoming, or if maybe they always were, they're becoming more fashionable because of e-commerce and their online inspiration. But does that mean that like Cincinnati should have more storefronts, like some of the bigger cities, but also are they losing their storefronts? So I, yeah, no. I, it's just kind of hard to wrap your head around what where Cincinnati stands in the fashion world.
2: I agree with you. I think I think you're onto something there with like with e with e-commerce with Instagram. Like people mm-hmm. are able now to see the fashion just as fast as sitting on the East Coast or you know yeah. West Coast or Europe or whatever they end up wanting to find, and then you can buy it at your fingertips. You know, I am. I don't know if I'm an anomaly or what, but I still love to shop in person. I mm. love the experience. Mm-hmm. I love to touch clothes. I don't have mm-hmm. to try anything on because honestly, I hate trying clothes on. But like, I love to see it in person before I make that purchase. So, you know, I don't know. I think that maybe if you offered more, I see Vine Street here and over the Rhine, like it's hopping. It's it's yeah. always like, like even, test- you know, yes. I know where you're yeah, going. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, Tessa, so um, right? Yeah, Tess, Tessa Clark. Yes. So yeah. she, yeah, she was on Project Runway. Uh, so was mm-hmm. Asha as well. And she runs. Uh, Tessa runs Idlewild, Wild, and she's in the similar boat as you. Yes, where she designs her own, and she's been able to like so far, you know, make a name for herself. But I don't know where she stands in terms of her success with the with the storefront.
2: Yeah. And our, I mean, our
0: product's beautiful. It's almost yeah. like there needs to be a block, like a fashion block or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, like the 5th Where's the fashion district? Yeah, we need a, a fashion yeah. district in Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, we already have the wedding district
1: this. with Redding. Redding. Correct? We need
0: to get a fashion yeah. district. Okay, we'll we're on this. We do need a fashion district. Maybe just go- tell Redding we're to a few more
1: houses. And I like just, this. We can <laughs> add some other clothing <laughs> options there, right? I
0: like this. I do. Yeah. I know where I want to kind of like switch gears again a little bit and pivot back into being an entrepreneur and your experience with anxiety and depression. Yeah, how do you handle that in your situation anxiety, as to where you are today? depression. Yes. yes.
2: I never stop taking my pills. <laughs> okay. Honesty. I love it. <laughs> without a doubt. Without a And honestly, I am going to be completely open about this. If you have anxiety and depression or you have an empty feeling in your stomach, talk to somebody you could totally be fine. But like, if it goes on for a long time in somebody, somebody, a doctor says, Hey, try a pill. You know, I think, you know, it's a hard place to, to be in for a long time. It's a hard pill to swallow. I love it. had <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Sorry not> to. <laughs> it was good. That was, that was, that was perfect. But I, I, it took me a long time. I, when I got back from Mm. Chicago and I had gone through some really, really dark spaces, uh, my parents were a little bit scared for me. And I had another, um, I would say heavy, heavy spat with it. And when I was at DAP in my late twenties and the older I got, the more I was, I was less stubborn. And I thought I have to, I have to take, these pills, because they are what yeah. really does help me mentally. But beyond that, it was like, so in my early 20s, when I was going through the really dark time, I did take pills, and then I went off, and then I went on. Ultimately, I have the type of personality, I am very excitable, and then I, you know, can be down. And yeah. um, I know that. And so I know how to manage that. And I tell myself as an adult, like, you have to get sleep is, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, I go on, a, I sometimes can go on a roll and like in college at DAP, because you would have yeah. 24 hour days or 48 hour days. You, you actually would, probably you know,
0: very productive and very successful in that environment. Oh
2: yeah. Cause I was like, get, you know, I was excited about yeah. it, but I've learned that that isn't, you have to do everything in moderation. And the older I get, the more I tell myself moderation. So, and that goes with like, obviously running, you mm-hmm. know, right. I, I, yeah. I, I, I I yeah it's obsessive it's a little bit obsessive
0: I'm just thinking from an entrepreneurial standpoint you know how have you been battling that knowing that you're also you have this weight of a business on your shoulders
2: yeah it's not always easy I like to talk about how you have to listen to yourself and like I said I think that I'm older and now that I can recognize my own like symptoms of maybe I start to feel a little down triggers yeah thank you triggers. I tell myself if it starts to get too heavy. So social media, I think is something that can really, it it, uh, it doesn't just, I mean, we know what it does to teens. It, yeah. it still does it to adults, right? Like I'm yeah. going to be 39 next month and I can get obsessed with the, how many likes and, but what yeah. I've learned, what I'm learning is take a step back. It's so mm-hmm. it, in the second that I do this, it's Nobody's going away. You know, if I can't send out email blasts this week, nobody is going to run away from your brand. And yeah. you have to find that. I find the balance. And I have yeah. to say, you know what? I know I still have a lot to get done tonight, but it's it's 6.30, it's 7 o'clock, and I'm just, I'm shutting it down.
1: So I'm going to take the opposite side of that, but same tangent. How do you stay creative dealing, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's like the opposite. You know, some entrepreneurs can just, you know, just focus on the business and then they're good, right? But you have to focus on the business and you have to be creative and you, you know, you're making, you're looking out for your, your own mental health, but also you're looking out for the well being of others with your, you know, mm-hmm. social impact focus and sustainability focus. How do you yeah. like just not get in a rut and be like the creative juices just like disappear?
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, what's funny is that medication, t- like a lot of people will tell you that the medication like shunts your creativity. Mm-hmm. And I could say probably does a little bit. I don't know. I haven't, mm. you know, it's been a while since I stopped taking them, but how I stay creative. I absolutely love traveling. So mm-hmm. like, even if it is just a long weekend, I will like unplug and travel a couple weeks ago when you and Ali and I were like playing tag, Like it's, I, I unplugged and I was like, I was like, I don't, I I was in Key West and I, I, we get out there and like, I love talking to people. Love Mm -hmm. it. Like my, my favorite part of like owning this business is every time I do a pop-up and honestly I can be like, oh gosh, I got to pack all this stuff up. I got to pop it up. I got, you know, there's so much going into it. But when I get there talking to these women, that's how I stay, that's how I stay inspired it's yeah. talking to women traveling keeps me creative it's like it reopens my eyes and and it's not create I, my creativity does not come from social media podcasts creative. Nice. Running. Are you, Allie, do you like go in these tangents oh, when you yeah. run? It's like a, your I brain think we're goes kinders, everywhere.
0: kindred souls or spirits of some sort, because I totally resonate with so much and empathize with so much of, you, of what you said, of feeling the highs and feeling the lows. And as someone who can get those spurts of energy, but also become very depressed myself, I feel that all the time. Running personally, for those I'm mm-hmm. sure who who also struggle with depression and some sort of anxiety it, it that rudder's mm-hmm. high is a very real thing because it gets your brain back on track and those endorphins to like find a balance um and it just makes me personally yeah and i'm sure you as well aaron happier without a doubt yeah. It is
2: and and that your story what you're saying there and i'm sure you and i could probably talk about this for hours but hours, <laughs> that's <laughs> there's my inspiration and then we all have that connection and running and, and being active in general. But yeah, there's looking
0: good while something doing it that, too. That oh, right? yeah, the boy, that's the moral of the story. Also looking that's good. <laughs> so here, here is here is my last question. Then, so if you could go back at the very start of your fashion dr- journey specifically, and tell yourself, if you could go back and with what you know now, what would you tell that self, your your young self, back at the start of this journey?
2: My God, don't take it so seriously. Oh, your
0: value and your worth is not—it doesn't
2: come from somebody else. It does not come from twenty hours a day. It does not come from a paycheck. You know, I would tell myself, stop looking for validation elsewhere because you you, can—you you're like I'm enough. And I can validate myself. I don't need it from other people. I don't need it, you know, from an industry that is fast. I would, that's the one thing. I, I never, I always say I never have any regrets because I would never be here telling you that today yeah. without the experiences that I've had. But if I did have one piece of advice, I would say, do, don't take it so seriously. And, and validation comes from within. Ah. Oh. I love that. For sure. I love
1: that. I can't, yeah. I can't top off. I, feel, I
0: know. <laughs> you just also, yeah, yeah, I feel like one. you would just continue to validate why I also have a love and a passion for the city of Cincinnati too. I love it. I know. Well, thank you. This was really awesome. I selfishly really enjoyed this conversation and listening to your story. And I hope everyone else did. too. Yes.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Aaron. I appreciate you guys having me. It was so nice to meet both of you. West side. Come. Allie, oh, let's yeah. have oh come fun. on. He's <laughs> Here Sorry, we go. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, we're going to end it on that note. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I think I just met my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> she is great.
1: She is great. She has been through a lot but she just keeps mm-hmm. picking herself back up and then she comes on her podcast smiling and being like I've learned this and this but so I headed I'm still yeah. I'm still going you know and I think that's also that like running spirit of her brand me yeah,
0: of like just sh- yeah. keep
1: going and also just doing it the right way right being mm. environmentally sustainably and ethically Conscious and aware of what's happening in the world um, is something I think everybody you as know, a consumer, wants now.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's such a big point, right? And and when okay, if put, in putting yourself in you know the consumer shoes, when I know I personally I like I'd like to invest in brands that are ethically sourced. Yeah. However, it's a lot easier said than done when you look at the price tag, right? Because I think that's the consumer struggle of. Well, I could go and buy something off of Amazon really cheap, but you don't know where it's coming from or how it's manufactured. Mm-hmm. Or I could go and purchase something that's ethically sourced and probably is, is better quality. Uh, and wh- what do you do? And and Erin and many brands like hers, I'm sure, is facing that problem right now mm-hmm. and hoping that these manufacturers and these producers are pushing more towards an ethically uh, source process and product.
1: And I definitely think they are. You know, you just mm-hmm. turn on the news nowadays and there's the topic yeah. of ESG in business, which is yeah. all about, you know, ethical, sustainable, you know, branding, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And green. So I think it is on people's radars now. And I think You will see more and more money going towards the companies Mm -hmm. who've already been doing it for a while, not the Mm -hmm. ones that kind of just do it last minute as like a as an add on. Uh, She truly or who are
0: intentionally wanting to launch mm -hmm, into it. Yes, Mm -hmm.
1: she is very intentional, and Mm -hmm. you know she did bring up the point about you know we were talking about manufacturers in Asia, like how do you find them, and she's she took the time to like learn about it, right? Like, clearly there's no quick fix for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hear from entrepreneurs all the time, like, how do I, you know, find a good manufacturer in China that's, you know, not abusing their workers? Mm. And so I think, you know, maybe, like she's mentioned, maybe that'll be her next startup is creating a a database of these kinds of manufacturers. But I love that she, like, looked for ones that had a special certificate, which I didn't even know existed. So I'm going to have to definitely do some research on that. But I'm glad that... She took the time to figure f- figure this out and Ali I might be a little convinced that fashion yeah. entrepreneurs might be some of the smartest hardest working entrepreneurs yeah. nothing against any other entrepreneurs but it sounds like there's a lot of regulations there yeah. is a lot of operations you have to do finance it's you have to do marketing you have to you know go find like figure out every part of the supply chain which mm-hmm. can be the biggest pain in the rear end. Yeah. Um, and then so. you got to make
0: it cool. You got to yeah. market it and you <laughs> got to get people to, because you're, there's so much out there, but you, I think you hit the nail on the head a little bit ago when you said intention. Mm. I think that is the best way to describe how Aaron operates her business. And she operates it very much with a clear set of intention right? of intentions, plural mm. from her Again, how she's sourcing it to her making the decision to even move back here, which I think Cincinnati alone brings that balance that she's probably mm-hmm. looking for of understanding when to turn it on, when to turn it off. And that rolls over then into her personal life that we were talking about of anxiety and depression and just your mental your mental well-being and your mental yeah. health. And I'm going to close on that thought with I love the fact that you mentioned the word intention because that's how I would probably summarize
1: yeah. I, and me. I, I can't top that up, but
0: yeah.
1: if you love me and what it stands for <laughs> and what Aaron stands for, go check their website out. It's meactive.com. And when we say me, it's M E A S. Right. Yes, active.com. So again, m e a s a c t i v e.com. Unfortunately, men, we cannot buy uh some of these clothes because I don't think we would fit knows, in the biker shorts. Day, but maybe I'll just she
0: might expand,
1: maybe, maybe one day. Fingers crossed. So go support Aaron and me, but also. While we're talking about and support you, oh, that's us. what makes that's what
0: made me laugh. You're like, support me if you want to learn more about me. <laughs> me <yeah.
1: laughs> as support me Bailey. as in Patrick Bailey at One Pigs Fly <laughs> and Allie Martin. <laughs> where should they go? And they should go to whenpigsfly.fm. That is our website. You can see where all our episodes are available. You can download any previous episodes. You can also subscribe, which is great because then. They just magically appear in your episode library. Yes. Uh, and you can also see Allie's and my social media accounts, but also you can just go search One Pigs Fly on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook,
0: LinkedIn.
1: Yeah. But, Allie, what is the most important thing that they need to do?
0: You need to tell a friend. If you like this podcast, we would so appreciate it if you tell told a family member or a friend about it and spread the word because that's the greatest thing that you can give us yes, along with this the subscription <laughs> and on that note we thank you for listening and patrick it's time. cheers Prost.
1: and here's some necessary legal stuff ali martin and patrick bailey developed the when pigs fly podcast in collaboration with the up company llc At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripps company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week.
0: We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.